Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Ave Geeks podcast. I'm Sergeant Jack Anderson, and tonight I'm here with Sergeant Madeline McConnell. Hello, everyone. And as always, we are going to be your host. Unfortunately, Sergeant Paul can't be with us tonight. Uh, I can't remember exactly what he said it was, but he had something that came up at last minute. So unfortunately, he won't be able to join us tonight. Now, this week's topic is going to be the uh, evolution of commercial airlines. We've done quite a lot of these uh, evolution episodes. In fact, last week's episode was uh, an evolution episode when we talked about um, the evolution of uh, early warning systems and the evolution of radar systems across World War II and into the modern day. So um, we're going to be talking this week just about commercial aviation, like passengers and cargo in general. So first to give us a a brief overview of um, what air travel looks like today, Um, Sergeant McCall, would you like to just give us a little bit of oversight on that? Sure. Okay. So today, air travel is a vital means for um, linking the world, and it is also one of the largest and most competitive industries in the world. Uh, With some airlines making tens of billions of dollars every year, um, but this industry industry is only about 100 years old. So how did commercial aviation business start, and how has it grown to be as successful as it is now? All right, thank you for that introduction, Sergeant McConnell. So in the early days of aviation, planes were small, slow, and flimsy, and as such, were not really suited for passenger or cargo. So the airline industry started off with dirigible airships, which uh, could hold a large amount of cargo and passengers and could fly long distances. So the first company to begin commercial flights with Zeppelins was the Deutsche Luftschiffarzt Aktiengesellschaft, which is German for the German Airship Travel Corporation. So the Deutsche Luftschiffsaus Aktiengesellschaft began tr- passenger flights in July of 1911 and transported over 34,000 passengers all over Germany until its 24 years of operation came to an end in 1935 when it was reformed to found the new Deutsche Zeppelin Redierie. Boy, there was a lot of German in there and I, I'm willing to bet I butchered a little bit of it. Uh, I'm being a little modest there. I probably butchered quite a lot of that German. Uh, better so, than I could do, though. Way better than I could do. Yeah, I have uh, a few uh, German-speaking friends who have been coaching me today, so hopefully I got that as close to right as I possibly could. Uh, so, Sergeant McCollins, you want to talk to us now a little bit about um, some of the very first airplane uh, commercial flights, like non-Zeppelins, like actual planes? Yeah, of course. So, the first commercial flight... Um, was on an airplane and it took place on January 1st, 1914. It was about a 23 minute long flight on an airboat between Tampa Bay and St. Petersburg, Petersburg, Florida. And um, it was not at all practical and the ticket price was massive, but it marked a major turning point in the aviation industry. So yeah, um, during the First World War, airplane technology advanced greatly, and these improvements in range, speed, and payload uh, capacity not only boosted military aviation, but um, it boosted the civilian market as well. All right, thank you, Sergeant McConnell. So yeah, back in like the uh, early 1900s, like uh, the 1910s, um, flying in an airplane was basically like how billionaires um, like rocket themselves up into space. 
Like that was essentially what this was. The novelty of being in an airplane, it, like it didn't matter how inconvenient it was. Just the fact that you could shill out tons and tons of money and get to fly in an airplane, that was worth it for like billionaires back in the 1900s. So yeah, it was exactly like how nowadays we have uh, all these billionaires going off into space. Right, so one major technology that came about in the mid-1930s was the flying boat. These massive amphibious planes could house more passengers and fly much larger distances than any aircraft before them. Probably the most famous example is the flying boats operated by Pan Am, which are more commonly referred to as the Pan Am Clippers. These large four-engine aircraft were some of the largest of the time and could fly across the Pacific with only a few stops along the way. The first of these flights departed San Francisco on the 22nd of November, 1935, and landed in Manila a week later on the 29th. I just want to point out here that this was seven days of flying. I hear people complaining like, oh, we got to spend seven hours on a plane. This is absolutely awful. These people had to spend seven days in a plane. Oof, that is not something that I think I could do. I could never do that. I am definitely one of those people who complain about having to be on a plane for seven hours, mainly because I'm sitting down most of the time, not a lot of places to walk. So having to actually go on a plane for seven days, I would not enjoy that. Okay, McConnell, I think now is a good time to point out that you have said to me that you want to be a pilot. So how exactly do you not like being on planes for long periods that of time? That is going to definitely be a struggle for me. But I feel like once I'm put in that position, I'll have to suck it up and deal with it. I guess so. Honestly, I used to be afraid of heights and I want to be a pilot now too. So I guess it's sort of a same boat situation here. <laughs> yeah. All right. So this flight was the first of many that would take place throughout the uh, 1930s. However, this program was scrapped during World War II as there was no reasons for civilians to travel across the Pacific anymore. Um, I think this was uh, a fairly obvious problem. I mean, most of these routes were from uh, the Western United States and areas in Japan and China. However, when they were at war with Japan and Japan had conquered most of uh, Asia, there really wasn't any reason to be flying civilian aircraft in there. And it'd be extremely dangerous to actually get a civilian aircraft in there. So, yeah, World War II was sort of uh, the end of the flying boats and the uh, clipper service. Now, one interesting fact is that these clipper services actually led to the creation of the first traditional pilot uniform. So before this time, pilots had usually worn a leather jacket, silk scarf, and a leather helmet with aviator goggles, even on passenger flights. However, Pan Am wanted to portray their services as being more luxurious than others, and so dressed their pilots to resemble officers on an ocean line. In fact, they even used the ranks found on ships, with the most senior pilot being called the captain and having four stripes on his uniform. Next in command was called the first officer and had three stripes on his. This is still something that goes on today where um, these ranks are still used and a lot of pilots uniforms. Um, yeah, you definitely would be able to see them as looking like, uh, like a sea captain's uniform. So for anyone who's interested, that is where that comes from. Yes, and then also today, another way to tell whether they are a captain or a first officer is by their hats. Um, captains normally have these little gold pieces. They're, they call them scrambled eggs on their hats, and then first officers don't have anything on their hats. So that's another easy way to tell as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, so now, Sergeant McCollum, do you want to tell us just a little bit about um, 
like some of the technology that came around throughout the Second World War and uh, like some of the stuff going on just after the war? Yeah, for sure. So during the Second World War, aircraft technology advanced even more than in the First War with innovations such as jet engines and pressurized cabins offering more speed and comfort than ever before. In addition to these advancements, planes could now fly farther than ever before, making nonstop transatlantic and transcontinental flights possible for the first time in history. And then in the early 1960s, aircraft such as the Boeing 707 and 737 made flying far cheaper and open up air travel to more people. This period was seen as the golden age for flying with luxurious aircraft transporting millions of people in comfort to exotic destinations all over the world. Pilots were also paid much higher and uh, the job itself was looked upon um, with the same admiration of doctors or lawyers. One of the airlines responsible for um, this high pay level of luxury was Pan Am, uh, which spared no expense. Their aircraft included fine dining, cigar lounges, or even bars on site. Yeah, so Pan Am, they really went all out. Um, one good comparison I've heard is that they were like the uh, Emirates of the 1960s. So like Emirates now, they're famous for having like some ridiculously high levels of comfort with like um, their first class seats that are basically apartments or the fact that you can now have uh, showers on planes. And for anyone who's thinking like a shower on a plane sounds absolutely disgusting, the planes in Emirates, like their bathrooms are not like the other airplane bathrooms. They're like, they have gold on all of them. They're like cleaned very often and they're very nice. And you can even get like hot water on those showers. So yeah, Emirates really goes all out. They give it the full nine yards and it's truly the most luxurious experience. Though it comes at the cost of like $30,000. You could get a new car for the same price that you could fly once on this airplane. Absolutely insane. So in the early 1970s, Boeing and Pan Am began to work on a new jumbo jet to help deal with the increased demand for air travel. This work would culminate with the development of the 747, the largest aircraft of the time and one of the most famous in all of history. With a passenger capacity of 366, traveling was made available to even more people. However, this golden age was about to come to an end as the oil crisis hit in 1973, causing oil prices to skyrocket and making it more expensive than ever to fly. So even when I said um, like this was basically like uh, the billionaires rocketing off into space, this was going back to those sorts of prices. That's how much this oil uh, embargo and this oil crisis in the 70s hit these airlines. And it really did uh, a great deal of damage. So um, the collapse in the aviation industry, it really crippled many airlines, including Pan Am, which was one of the largest in the world. So even as the oil prices returned to normal in the 80s, Pan Am was unable to recover and they filed for bankruptcy in December of 1991 bringing the end of an era. So with the end of Pan Am, with their uh, being bought out and with them uh, filing for bankruptcy, it really ended the golden age of flying. I think up until that point in uh, 1991, there was still some hope that they might be able to come back and might be able to continue some of their luxurious services. But after that, there really was not hope uh, in the aviation industry. 
So the commercial aviation industry continued to struggle in the wake of 9-11 as passenger numbers dwindled. So yeah, 9-11, it scared a lot of people away from flying, and it also brought a lot more restrictions and a lot more costs into flying. And now, of course, a lot of those restrictions were definitely necessary to prevent another tragedy like 9-11 from happening. However, it did scare a lot of people out, and it really did, uh, it really did hurt the aviation industry. However, by the 2010s, the industry had largely recovered and many airlines were thriving. New innovations like onboard showers and in-flight Wi-Fi offered even more, even more comfort uh, than ever. So uh, some airlines like Emirates and Etihad were even offering first-class seats that resembled small hotel rooms. So yeah, uh, a lot of these uh, like very fancy, um, actually I think Etihad and Emirates are from the same country. Uh, which is absolutely crazy. But um, if you've ever seen on Etihad, they have the largest airplane seat in the world. It has three rooms in it. So you get your own bedroom, your own bathroom, and your own living room. And again, that's like uh, upwards of $40,000 per flight. So that's not the sort of thing that the average person could really take more than once in their lifetime. So it's a catered towards uh, like the richest of the rich, but it's still absolutely insane that that's something we have on planes in this day and age. That is definitely insane. Definitely. Yeah. Like I, I know if I ever win the lottery, I want to take a shower on a plane. Cause that's, that's one thing like airplanes, they always seem really uncomfortable. The bathrooms are tiny and cramped. So just for once, I would like to go into the bathroom where it's like gold plated. It's nice and clean. And you can actually take a shower. That would be something that would be like a yeah. rare luxury. Oh, yeah, definitely. If I were able to win the lottery, I know it's slim to none. But if I do, I would definitely go on one of those airlines and try that out because that's definitely a once in a lifetime experience. I think that would be really great to experience because, like you said, just being able to go into a nice bathroom with gold plates um, and being able to shower, having a hot shower. That's definitely something I would not pass down. Yeah, especially on an airplane, because yeah, most of the time when you think of bathroom on an airplane, you think of like a flying porta potty. But um, yeah, I would love to go and uh, actually have something that's nice and clean. Right. So back to the topic. Enough talk about the bathroom, which we've talked about for a few minutes now. Um, right. So despite all this prosperity, it was actually not going to last. As in 2020, the COVID nineteen pandemic and the resulting lockdown resulted in the largest decline in air travel the likes of which had never been seen before in our history. So during World War II, there definitely was a decline in uh, aviation, uh, like the market. However, there really wasn't that big of a market to begin with in the 1930s and the 1940s. So today, we essentially dropped down to that same level of passengers that we were back in 1940 during World War II. However, this is much more uh, influential because the market was absolutely massive when it happened this time. Um, so it has been a few years now. Uh, so a few airlines have filed for bankruptcy and hundreds of employees were laid off. However, in 2022, the commercial aviation industry is gradually making its way back to pre-pandemic levels. So um, there are a few new airlines. I think there's like one or two that has actually uh, been founded. Uh, I got to be honest, they picked a bad time to do it uh, during the pandemic, though. They, they might be in luck if things start opening up again, uh, which I think if current trends stay the way they are, I think we are on uh, schedule to have things start opening up again. But um, still, it's a weird time to want to start an airline. But yeah, a lot of uh, employees are being hired back. A lot more planes are starting up again. 
And so far it's, it's very gradual. It's very slow, but I'm willing to bet that um, in the next few years, we might be able to get the industry back to some sense of normalcy. I think fully being back at pre-pandemic levels of profit and um, like passenger numbers, I think that's going to take at least five or 10 years, but I'm hoping that we can get back to normal as much as possible in the next few years. Um, since my dad is a pilot, they definitely have been making their way very slowly. Um, we were very lucky. My dad was never laid off since he is on the A220 and they didn't have very many pilots for it. It's very new at the airline. And, um, you know, because they didn't have that many pilots, I think that's why he was still able to fly. But it was to the point where he was only flying about once or twice every two months at the very start of the, the pandemic. So obviously that kind of says how much the um, commercial industry took like this huge crash. But um, now definitely I see a lot of uh, my dad's friends, including my dad going to work a lot more, which is definitely a good sign. But I agree with you. I think it will take a very long time for them to get back to normal. Mm -hmm. And it's the same situation here. Um, my dad's a pilot too. However, interestingly, the plane he was on was actually retired throughout the pandemic. So he had to go back and they had to train him on a brand new aircraft. But he got, I think, about a year of paid leave just because they wanted to like hold on to their pilots. But yeah, he's finally getting back to work now. He wasn't too happy about it after essentially a year of vacation, having to go back to work. But um, it, it is nice to see, though, that he's getting to travel once again. Definitely. My dad was the complete opposite when he wasn't working very much. He really wanted to go. And I think it was because it was a like a brand new airplane. He was just trained on it. He actually had just finished his training and he had only been flying for about a month before they shut it down and he wasn't working. And I remember he would tell me, I want to go to work. I want to do all of this. And now that he's actually working all the time again, he's complaining a little bit because he is hardly home. But um you know, I'm glad that he's back out there because he loves his job and, you know, he loves doing all those things for people, getting people where they want to be. So again, it's definitely getting somewhere. It's getting back to normal. Yeah. And it's very good to see. It's very good to see that that uh, industry is getting back to normal, especially considering that we both want to be pilots. It's good to see that the industry we want to work in is starting to spool up again. Yes, exactly. All right. So unfortunately, that is just about our time for tonight. So we'd like to once again, thank you for listening to the Ave Geeks podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode about uh, the evolution of the uh, commercial airline industry. Uh, so thank you. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye, everyone.